You're listening to the SpyFi After Dark Podcast. Make yourself comfortable. It's going to be a long ride. It's going to be a long night. <clears throat> Alex and Millie, back in the bed. It's been a minute. All right, welcome back to Spy Fi After Dark. What's going on, everyone? It's been a minute. It's been a minute. This is episode two, though, so it won't be as much of a minute. Okay, fair enough. We're all hanging in there with uh, what's been going on recently with COVID. we talked about in episode one. Correct. So check that out if you haven't listened to it. But if you're sick and tired of hearing of this disease, like all of us, pun intended, uh, we'll talk about something else today. Be a little more refreshing. Um, something that hopefully a lot of the audience can um, relate to. Um, Millen and I are planning to have a deeper dive um, in the subject of like, career development um, and how someone really plans out their career, their future, steps they can take now, um, things like that. Stuff that is pretty much an imperative uh, for adulthood. Nolan and I have been talking about this on and off for years. We figured, like, why not like share this through mm-hmm. uh, an episode? So. And particularly, like, over the last couple of months. Yeah, it's been more and more frequent. He and I have been talking about this, you know, as we get older. I'm a few years older than Millen, but uh, he recently made a, a, a switch. I've been contemplating doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And he and I have talked about things like that, which are more short-term um, in yeah. our careers, and also, like, whether or not we have some kind of big plan in the future, you know, and and how do we position ourselves now versus just doing something for more money or, you know, some kind of convenience up front. You know, Millen doesn't want to stay in his current field forever. I don't want to do the same um, or I don't want to do what I'm doing now um, in the future either. So we have that in common. Yeah, I think I just want to transition to a different part of the field over time. And obviously in my case, like I have entrepreneurial ambitions, so that's really the long run goal. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, I figured we'd talk a little bit about careers. It's, it's a particularly appropriate now because the economy is dropping. So people are losing their jobs and right. people are probably considering what they actually want to do with their that's career right. moving forward, that's right. um, whether or not they lost their jobs or not. So, yeah. Uh, so regardless of like the urgency for those that lost their job, we also now, and we as in just people at home have really more time than ever to self-reflect and focus on themselves, their current predicaments, their aspirations, things they want to do for themselves in the future. You know, we get comfortable in structure and routine. I've noticed that, you know, at least regarding myself, like I've had a lot more time to really kind of shake things up, try a few new things, um, plan out my future. Uh, I don't think I'm alone with that, you know? Just have a lot of time at home now. Time that I didn't really have. And um, I'm actually appreciating that aspect. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. even even venturing and looking at opportunities. And this is a short-term thing. Um, that in and of itself is at the least a part-time job and takes away from you. Now we actually have kind of the luxury to do things like that to say, hey, like what's out there? And yeah, like many places you may have a hiring freeze. It may be hard to get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, you but know this I, is a good time to prepare to still look, yourself for essentially a job research search. to research. Exactly. Now, but beyond research, it's also a good time to invest in some skill sets that might help you with that job. And search. then that's that was something else I was going to bring up to your point, too. Like you have more time to actually invest in yourself. So like if it, with with time you have now, you can essentially say, hey, like, am I Am I happy with my trajectory? Am I not? Okay, what's out there? What's something I can look at and maybe maybe consider doing this year or in the next however mm-hmm. many years? And then how am I going to get there? And to your point, we have more time now where we can say, hey, I, I think in order to get from position A to B, I should probably start developing X or Y skills, maybe learn uh, programming language, you know, this is what Millen does, um, or some kind of skill set, something technical, maybe something that's just going to get you to where you want to be. And then the cool thing is with what we've had going on with COVID, you know, even when we all go back to our kind of routine structure, we've built habits that aren't just going to go away. But those habits probably wouldn't have been built, you know, had there not have been this kind of stretch of leisure. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I think even if you still have a job, now is a good time to, and say you're, you're looking at making an improvement in your job. Now is a good time to look at those skills you can maybe invest in. And some of them you might not even be able to do in your current job. You could find opportunities to do more in your current job just to build the experience. 100%. And then you're in a good position to find something new later. Because yeah. I mean, like when I was looking for my current job, I was not only doing a full-time job and going to the office every day, but I was also doing as building an app, you know, to build right. my skills right. in the direction I wanted to go with my career. I was um, starting this podcast and doing like media stuff too, which was for me. And I was just really running myself ragged. Like... I was so tired and burnt out so often that it honestly made it harder for me to even do my day job. Mm -hmm. And it certainly slipped towards the end there. Yeah. It's, it's not that I really had enough to do anyway, but that's the thing. Like you may not be like overclocking, but just having all of these things in mind that you want to get done can, can take away from your bandwidth. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be going balls to the wall at work for it to be impactful on you. You know, like just having to get ready mentally, prepare yourself to go to work, go to work, kind of deal with whatever. It could be like mm -hmm. a relatively decompress when you get back. Yeah. It could be a relatively lower paced job, especially if it's stressful for you. Like mm -hmm. you don't just get back home and immediately bounce into whatever you want to do. You're not a do. machine. You're not a you machine. Know? You're not going to switch from what, I mean, like for me towards the end, it was not a stressful job on the surface. Like, the biggest problem is we didn't have enough work. And so I didn't have stuff to do for most of the day. Mm -hmm. And then I also was getting blamed for it. But that's a whole other situation. And so it wasn't a stressful job, but when I got home, I was so exhausted mm -hmm. mentally because I have to go through like a circus every day mm -hmm. that I couldn't just immediately bounce into whatever I was going to do. I'd like get home at say five thirty, five fifteen. Maybe five. I left, let's say I left at four forty, and I got home at five. Um, and then I'd be like, I'd eat, and then I'd like just chill, just like watch YouTube or play games till like eight. Mm -hmm. And then by then, I'm like, okay, now I can focus on something else. Yep. And then I have two, three hours left in the night to yep. do something aside from you know taking a shower and taking care of myself before I go to sleep. And everyone operates a little differently. Some people can get away with certain routines easier than others. But at the end of the day, again, we're all human. Like, you know, you can be efficient uh, with your time, but it, we all, it, we all have those commonalities. Like there, we need to decompress. We need to unload and de-stress. And like, if you're jam packing your schedule to be as productive as possible, sometimes it can lead to spinning wheels. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you're in a place where you don't really like your job, then it's just not, it's not realistic. Right. Because you need buffer time before and after. And if you don't have it, you will run yourself into the ground. I can say that uh, my previous job and this job um, takes time away from me, even when I'm not at work. It's hard for me to. Um, I think we both kind of had a. Actually, now that I think about it, we both kind of had a similar situation with our previous, previous jobs position. towards the end. Yeah. Just in your case, you had a good manager, so it wasn't as. Yeah. Hard on you. Right. I never got blamed. See, it sound that's that's even more toxic. Uh, I had a diff slightly different uh, predicament. But yeah, I mean, long story short, you and I had jobs that demanded our time, but didn't really demand growth. There wasn't that much to do. Um, it was just a, it was just a job that we needed to be present for. We needed to allocate some span of, of our time, um, which is enough to take away from anything else you and I want to do. You know, now I, I work I work. Um, at a company that's that has a much more demanding environment. Uh, I have learned more in a shorter amount of time. Um, like you, I try to invest in myself outside of work. I'm trying to kick off something with my previous manager. I can't really talk much about it, but mm -hmm. there's things like this. But to your point. Hold on real quick. Oh, go for it. I just realized I forgot to record the video. All right. Should be good now. Are you saying we should restart? No. Oh, okay. I'll just... I don't know. I'll put a bumper at the beginning and be like, hey, by the way, I just forgot to. Okay, cool. No, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, we all have a bandwidth. And, and you know, that is one aspect I've noticed that um, has let me appreciate getting older 
is that like I'm learning what I can and cannot get away with mentally. It's mm-hmm. not just about like the physicality of getting older. Like I'm realizing how much stress I can handle and how to like manage my time a little better because yeah. again, like, you know, to your point, the podcast that you've set up, mm-hmm. all of these other projects that you have, these avenues outside of work, they require your time, but they're not a sprint. None of them are a sprint. It's actually True. counterintuitive. Yeah. So it's all about like, you know, the marathon and I'm really realizing that, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. again, a time like this, when we have a little more freedom to like, kind of like dump some yeah. time we wouldn't have into things like this. It's so appreciated. Mm-hmm. It's so appreciated. Yeah. So, and I mean, the beauty of everyone working from home is that, um, you know, invariably you will get more time for yourself one way or another. Like of course you're going to spend less time on work. If you're of working course. from home, of course, whether you, I mean, obviously there's a commute for a lot of people. You don't have a community more. So that's big, but even on your work time itself, mm-hmm. you're not working the same amount of hours. No, I mean the landscape in a corporate saying the landscape could like regarding like how your job, like the dynamics of your job could change slightly. Like for instance, like, and uh, most likely you're working more efficient hours. So whatever you do exactly. work, like you'll get the same work done. You'll just get it done faster. No, so, right. So a couple of things, one with what you were bringing up before, like one adaptation I've seen, uh, with my team is that we are having more meetings, right? Okay. Interesting. But that's fine though, because there's still inherent flexibility with, with making those meetings. Like I work remotely. I can make those meetings however I feel is necessary, mm-hmm. you know, by phone, by laptop, whatever. And it's not like an overwhelming, an overwhelmingly larger amount of meetings. It's just, I've noticed that there's more and I, it's, it's for engagement. I understand to your point though, like I'm getting as much work done at home, if not even more now because of the compounded amount of flexibility I have in my work schedule. The beauty of the situation that we're going through, and I actually brought this up like a month ago, I think either to you or to a couple of my friends is that I, I had hoped that corporate culture may change widespread throughout the United States Mm -hmm. because there's, there is going to be a profound observation on, on this. Like, Hey, like if I think a lot of companies are going to be realized, Hey, this is just as efficient as our normal operations. And we could scale down our building and save a bunch of money every year. Not to brag, but I was talking about this like a while. I'm like, I hope that's what happens because any hit that companies are going to take are probably not going to be justifiably tied to just an all like all cause, like lower productivity. Mm -hmm. It's really due to like business. Like, I mean, I really hope, I really hope more businesses will accommodate a like a 50 50 in office remote schedule. Like no, this, this, obviously this. full remote is not right for everyone. I don't even think it's right for me, but having a two or three day a week remote is awesome. Mm-hmm. Of course. And being able to accommodate that means that businesses can move to a flexible workplace where mm-hmm. they have a lot less square footage because they'd expect less people to be in the office. And then you have shared desks, which yeah, okay. People don't like shared desks, but if it's a shared desk, but you still have a lot of space, does it really matter? And if you're laptop only, I mean, let's be honest, Fridays right now are not even real work days. <laughs> yeah. For most, for most companies, for, for let's most, be honest for most office workers. Yep. The, the stats that I've read are most office workers say they do two to three hours of real work a day. Mm-hmm. That's not a productive day. Yeah. Out of the eight. It's the eight, in eight the framework. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause eight, eight plus lunch. Yeah. So technically nine. It's, it's believed to be like kind of rhythm based people work, you know, based on their rhythm. Mm-hmm. We all have our like peaks and well, and like tr- for me, like now that I'm working from home every day, my peak productivity times are like 10 to 12. Right. And then like six to eight mm-hmm. there. And there's like a really wide gap in the middle. Mm-hmm. And the best thing for me, as far as like my psyche goes is to do like chores, cleaning, maintenance, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff in the middle of the day. That's what I do too. Errands, um, shopping, anything like that. I like to do yeah. that in the middle. That's the best time for it's me. It's actually to do a it. catalyst because, um, see the way my work structure is, set 
outside of the current predicament we're in with COVID, you can probably relate to this. I'm sure the audience, many people in the audience can as well. If you have a lot of things you need to get done outside of work, that immense pile of to do's becomes sometimes overwhelming and very, very stressful. But if you can like chip at it as you please, it like almost gives you like small doses of like reward. Does that mm-hmm. kind of make yeah, sense? A little dopamine burst. Yeah, I get a little dopamine burst when I'm like cleaning, mm-hmm. cooking, and it just like, gives you some momentum. Exactly. It's evening. like I can like keep throwing to your point, like momentum at my day. I have a similar structure to you. Like I'll mm-hmm. get up, I'll I'll hit work right for a little bit, then I'll go grab coffee. I'll come home, do a little more work, then I'll clean. I'll start cooking. Maybe I'll go run an errand, do more work. I'll always have my phone on me. So I'm always tied if need be. I'll I'll get to meetings. But essentially, I'm never never completing work and having like a very, very stressful night ahead where now I'm trying to figure out, okay, am I going to be able to like cook, go to the gym, clean, do these kind of things. And it's nice. I really like this flexibility. I think a lot of people are having the same realization. Yeah. I mean, yeah, around and, the country, and, and, they're and, like, "This is amazing." I, I haven't talked to like any current students. I'm curious how that's panning out for yeah. students. I feel like that's not; it's not the same. Like that's a that's a different debate. Yeah. School is, yeah, it's hard to comment on. It's been a while since I've been in it now. Right, right. Um, and school is never really a good fit for me anyway. But. Mm-hmm. I think I would have done better on the one hand with a schedule like this because the biggest problem for me was like the rigidity of the class schedule. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest problem I had. And then the other problem being like the, uh, uh, what's the word I want? The, uh, not uselessness, but irrelevance of homework assignments. Right. So like, those were like my main problem. So I guess the latter really wouldn't, be changed at all but at least i wouldn't have like a rigid class schedule to follow and i could just like if i have something to do then i can go and are you the lectures are you saying, get are you, stuff saying you would have preferred to have been like fully online i think so okay i do think i think there's so some with, bias with the exception being like i loved on campus life the one oh, year yeah. the one year i was able to experience it i loved it so of course. school is secondary uh, like that's cool but right yeah the actual school itself it it depended on the class, but for a sure. lot of, a lot of my classes, sure. the actual classes were just so boring. It's such a drag. Hundred percent. I will say though, it this is probably and it's not even that the material was necessarily boring. It just wasn't presented well. Fine, fine. And, and the quality of the education, lecture, the lecture style doesn't really the work. The quality for of education it. was not there. It's not even quality. It's just the lecture style. Just does style. not work. For you just it. don't learn that way. Optimally. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. And I'm sure you're not alone. Um, I will say though that um, that makes sense. I will say though that what you're suggesting may be tightly dependent on the the education path so like so like things like on the sciences like you know the biological sciences and stuff it would be nicer to have like hands-on experiences like like labs and things like this Mm -hmm. i don't know if if like a full online curriculum can really replace some of that yeah Yeah, it's highly dependent on what you do i but i mean yeah there's also a whole other discussion about like, is the four year college framework even efficient? Oh, no. Things? no. I, I mean, not. I agree like, with you. I don't think it is at all. So uh, the reason that I think work does so well in a remote setting for a lot of people is that it's just basically like constantly having a project. It's like constantly having a school project, mm-hmm. you know, or having multiple school projects at the same time. And so because things are a little more discreet and you have like, objectives and you just work towards them in your own way. Like, I think that's why it meshes with people and because you have the flexibility, you can do it when it's, when it best suits you work. And yeah. And obviously, obviously you have to be careful in that it is easy to fall into a schedule of not doing as much work as you should. Like let's, Um, let's be clear. It's easy uh, to do that. Right. But if you are prescient about your day, and you don't just take the day passively, it's not terribly difficult 
to stay on top of what you need to stay on top of. Fine. Yes. So time management. Yeah. It's all about having a, just a little, you need just a little bit of self-starter energy and then a little bit of structure from your team. Not to like deviate too far from your train of thought because I like it, but just F just by the way, my gripe with this, with school and how there seems to be more value regarding like growth potential in like the work environment for me versus in a school setting is that at a young age, I came to this conclusion that school was about like, like at the core of it, school was about competition. You could say the same for the work environment, except not really, not in the same manner. Here, here, here's why. Here's why. In school, you're essentially trying to go from start to finish over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And your finish is archived, right? It's essentially a race from start to finish. And every single race er, mm-hmm. is archived, it's right? It's timed, yeah. Yeah, it's timed. And like at the end of the day, all that really matters are your time. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know what I mean? It's People are just going to look at that. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Because you're not producing like real deliverables. You're not creating things. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And and the thing about it is, well, that's also program dependent. But even when you are creating, hundred percent pro. You're right. Even when you are like, even in my in my degree program, which had a heavy emphasis on creating things, you're not really creating real deliverables. You're not creating real things because if you remember, if you remember in school, generally curriculum is not cutting edge your curriculum isn't developing new things for curriculum you're being taught things that have been established Mm -hmm. and we talked about this a little bit but you know what i mean at least in the workforce like there is some agency like the company you work for is trying to get somewhere and you're on that ride you may not be the most important person alive Mm -hmm. you may even be undervalued yeah that's a that's a common paradigm right but like at the end of the day you know you're actually doing something for some purpose even if it's not the perfect purpose. Do you know what I'm kind of saying? Yeah, there's context to everything. There's you do. context. Like they're like it's not really the same. If you're if you're looking from the outside, well, that's the in, difference between a real deliverable and a fake deliverable. It's like what it means. Yeah, because a real deliverable has a context. Right, right. Because like versus a fake deliver deliverable is arbitrary. Yeah, it's like you know when you work for a company. You could be a workhorse, and like a lot of your efforts could be to someone else's benefit you're delivering x and y and someone else may be getting more credit too much credit well it's gonna get you know your efforts are gonna get diluted and lost in some kind of corporate process but at the end of the day it's still retained within the corporation right Mm -hmm. your efforts mean something to the corporation you just don't always know like where exactly it's going to if you're getting the reciprocity recognition for it fine but again in school, it doesn't really matter what you do. All that matters is what you do with respect to what is asked. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. You, you, can't, yeah. you can't really impress and do more and contribute back to the school. Yes. You can't. Do you it's know true. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I don't know. That would be an interesting concept for like a way to change up school as if you can develop curriculums that are self-evolving. Yeah. That's a cool idea. It's probably worth exploring in a different podcast I mean, I think that, episode. That's, that, I think we talked with Hans about that. Um, I, I do believe that if you pursue... We talked about some similar topics, but yes, this is like a directly. specific... Right. Like having a self-evolving curriculum. Right. It's actually kind of pretty cool. Yeah. That's uh, we should we should bookmark that for a future podcast episode. Oh, I'd be down. That's a good that's a 100%. good concept to to explore. But that's the beauty of like pursuing a higher level like education mm-hmm. that you could go to university and you could essentially be an influence. Yeah, I think you if do, you, you value see that. that a little bit more at like masters and PhD, particularly the PhD yeah, that, level. That's what we that's what we had talked about. Because then it's like then it's like you're doing research mm-hmm. at a PhD level, like you're trying to you're contributing back to academia, mm-hmm. right at that point, but you're right that you know there should be probably some some more element of that earlier on um early on in your school cuz 
it's easy to disrespect your education because there's none of that. And that's part of the problem is like you have no context for what you're doing mm-hmm. and it makes it hard for you to ground yourself in what you're learning. Mm-hmm. Like so. Even at, even at the higher level of my education, I'll give you an example, like my, my design class for, for the context of the listeners, Alex has a master's degree. Yeah. Yeah. But like in my, in my undergrad, um, my design class was a senior level for biomedical engineering. Um, a large percentage of the projects in my class had been done before. Right. Yeah. Because the availability of what we could do all within the context of like the education we provided, the resources at hand, you know, on site and the advancement of the field itself was not there. Do you know what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. the, the field, the biomedical field is growing tremendously, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's benefiting or correlating with the resources available at my university. Yeah. Do you know what I'm kind of yeah, saying? It does highly depend on university the kind too. of program you're doing and the yes, university you're the resources at. resources allocated towards it, right. Yeah, it's the res- and it's how resource intensive is work in the field. Right, and plus it's like an undergrad too. Like, if you're doing software or something like that, it takes no resources to do that. Yes. You have a laptop and you can do you're it. You're not gated at all. Right, there's right. literally no constraints put on that. Right. Like it even used to be, obviously at one point it was you had to have computing equipment, which is expensive. It's not expensive anymore. And then at one point you had to have software that was expensive, like IDEs and all that kind of stuff to to build with. And that's readily and available. Now you don't have to do that either. Right. Now you can find free stuff to for for any tool you could need, you can find a free version that's good. Um so it but if you're doing like engineering, like that kind of work has gates. Like you need resources to oh, do the work. Yeah. So it makes it harder to train practically because if you think about it yeah with engineering like having but there's there's like there's a lot of opportunity for schools to do practicum curriculum for programs like programming that have no overhead of course it's of course 100 percent. right you have a lot of opportunity to just teach to that it even ties back to today our, it even ties back to the discussion we had earlier about um online yeah. I mean, it's it's just, it's very viable yes. for university, you, you know? So yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. Like in biomedical, for instance, like it's tough because biomedical doesn't mean anything. It could be anything from prosthetics to diagnostics, mm-hmm. right? How as a, how as a, a college are like, are you going to be able to provide so like such a wide array of resources for your class to really have access to. Do you know what I'm kind of saying? The only way you could do it is if you made partnerships with business. Exactly. If you, there was some if of you that. put partnerships in place and just had like some of your classes as a BME student or basically internships. Yes. And the company devoted a, it probably doesn't have to devote many resources devotes like one or two staff members to work with, this these students we actually did do that right yes gore so something like that it's like yes. it's a relatively small investment for the company it is, if it's right. just one or two people right. for part of the week no big deal it's mutual benefit too especially and, for- and yeah and then they get they get to influence the curriculum mm-hmm. they get preferable hiring position right the graduates have already heard of them so yep. they get preferable name recognition yep. so even the availability of those positions would probably a meritocracy from the school side meaning like that position would, you know, would come from, let's just say a Gore or a BD or a striker. Right. And then 10 students are like in on that. Well, the professor knows that the availability is, you know, three students and the professor is going to pick the three top students. Mm-hmm. That's to the benefit of those OMs. So I, I like that idea. I think it helps everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, so yeah, it's definitely an interesting time for schools in, in quarantine and being hundred percent virtual. Uh, I've, I mean, I feel really bad for, for particularly like middle school, high school kids, because obviously for them, like this is a lot more disruptive to their lives. 
like behaviorally mm-hmm. or growth. Yeah. Because yeah. so much of their school is not just about school. It's also about all the social stuff. Yeah, definitely. And about all the personal growth in that sense. Mm-hmm. And so they're missing out on a lot of that. And on top of that, it's, they haven't grown enough to where being able to focus a hundred percent on your own is easy for them. Well, yeah, junior high and high school kids aren't going to be able to capitalize on time like this. Exactly. They're mm-hmm. going to have a much harder time managing their time and um, staying productive and staying on top of things because they just haven't been taught to do mm-hmm. those things. And it's not taught in high school or middle school. It, the only time you get taught by that is if you have really good parents. That's who, who will teach you. Mm-hmm. Or you learned it in college by messing up mm-hmm. and then learning it the hard way. Right. Um, so, so yeah, let's, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll circle back to more of the career side as opposed to the school side. Sounds good. Hey there, podcast listeners. This podcast is proudly sponsored by me. That's right. Me. I'm here to tell you about a project I've been working on called the Iowa Moccas. It's a democracy technology project with an accompanying live stream that will be happening sometime in June. Basically, a friend and I are building a real caucus software. This project is based on the now famous debacle that's known as the 2020 Iowa Democratic Caucus, when the Iowa Democratic Party utilized a new technology for the first time in running its caucus, except the technology kind of failed really bad. The thing is, the software that you'd use to run a caucus is not actually that complicated. And so my friend and I wanted to basically just build it. And we're gonna run a live stream mock caucus or mockus to prove that it works. Head on over to iowamockus.com because I know, I know you wanna learn more about it. Sign up for email updates. We'll keep you updated along the way. I promise we'll use your email very responsibly, more responsibly than pretty much everyone else in politics. And we are gonna need a few volunteers to actually make the mockus happen. It's a really, really small commitment of time but we do need people to fill the spots for the live stream. So once again, head on over to iowamaucus.com, sign up for updates, sign up to be a part of the caucus if you wanna be a part of it. Like I said, it's a small commitment. We're talking five to 10 minutes of your day. Anyways, that is it for me. Let's get back to the episode. All right, and we are back. So, uh, I wanted to circle back a little bit to where we started, which was right now, a lot of people are probably considering what they want to do with their careers in their life. Um, I know I have been, even though I'm very happy with my current job, um, and I have only been there for six months or so. Um, I know you've been thinking about it. We've obviously been talking about it on the phone outside of this uh, outside of this podcast. Right. Yeah, I've been approaching a year and a half now in my current position. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Almost yeah, a year and a half. Yeah, started December. 2018. November. Yeah, December. December. Uh, and then, yeah, it was last year, and I started October, basically November. So, yeah, we're actually pretty close. Right. Um. So, yeah, I just, I think it's topical for a lot of people. They're seeing their friends out of work, or they are out of work themselves, and they're thinking about what they want to do. And the thing is, like, Obviously, we're going to be hurting for a little while economically. Of course. And obviously, I don't want to minimize that. But in a recession, the truth is there is opportunity. And recessions are oftentimes a good, they're a good time for resourceful people. Mm -hmm. Because resourceful people will find opportunity and put themselves in a good position for when things come out of the recession. Yeah. Shifts. Cause the key, the key with a recession is you want to prepare for the time when we leave the recession. Mm-hmm. Cause that's when things start picking up. And if you're in a good position, you can really capitalize and turn your life around, frankly. hundred um, percent. Which is why like, why obviously the biggest thing you can do in a recession is buy stuff. Like if you have the money, if you mm-hmm. have the cash, mm-hmm buy up assets because they're going to be cheap. Obviously that's not really an option for most people. Um, and unfortunately recessions tend to make the wealthy wealthier as a result because they're the ones who have cash. That's just generally how it is. Um, with but, me. but for average people, the same thing applies except instead of cash, we're talking skill sets and, um, 
and and your job. So I mean, say you're working a job that is highly susceptible to automation slash elimination slash streamlining with software in the future because mm-hmm. a lot of people are um now is a pretty good time to think about what you might want to do after that on that same note um whether or not you know or or frankly how you could evolve which you yes do currently. And, and i will i'll agree with you that um this is like a good time for those who are resourceful to capitalize, but this is also a wake up call for many people who don't ever think that job security is like an impending problem problem. Right. For instance, like there are certain, there are certain positions or certain career paths that generally are known to be safe. But those those paths are not exempt from situations like this, and situations like this are very uh, real. And so it's even, like a wake up call. You know what I'm saying? And even those safe career paths are not necessarily safe anymore. A career path may be considered safe for fifty, hundred years, and then all of a sudden it's not safe. Like a good example is lawyers. Now this hasn't quite happened yet. Uh, I've heard but of this. I know it's happening. I know. It's, I know you're going. We're, we're on the cusp of it. It's about to happen. There is software yep. being developed yep. to rapidly automate low-level law work. Mm-hmm. So people who do a lot of routine law work are going to be replaced by software. Yes. There's going to be software that has catalog databases of precedent and can automatically find related precedent for you. So it's going to cut down your research time. There's going to be ones that can write and fill out forms instantly. So a lot of the low-level stuff on that level will be completely gone. Um, and you're going to basically cut down the need for most grunt law work. Grunt, so, work, grunt work like across Grunt work in general is, yes. is out the door. But this yep. is just a particularly stark example because we've heard for a long time right. going to law school is a really safe yes, career. Safe. And it's not. It's really not. It's And it's the people who say that, it is irresponsible to say at uh, this point. Same, same with uh, medicine. Same with medicine. So from the diagnostic side, a lot of clinical decisions are made. um, I'm talking specifically with imaging. Yes. Radiology is going to be the big one. Radiology is going to, because there's already software that's been developed that in, they've done a a test run of the software against a bunch of different radiologists Mm -hmm. and the software was more accurate. Yeah after learning from like 1300 mm-hmm. cases or something right. like a relatively small pool. Right. So these, those, those types of careers, if you're in a career that has a lot of grunt work involved, your career is going to be automated. Mm-hmm. Now that's obviously bad in the sense that it's going to put you out of work, but it also gives you an opportunity to change what you do. Mm-hmm. Just those who are, it's not just being resourceful. Being adaptive is incredibly important. Well, being adaptive is incredibly valuable. Historically speaking, like evolution is based on adaptability. Mm -hmm. And the same applies to human society because human society is just an extension of humanity. But, um, and also particularly if you are a grunt worker, chances are you probably aren't super thrilled about your job either. Yeah. And so now you have an external, now you have an external uh, stimulus. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You have an external reason to reinvent yourself Mm -hmm. anyway. Again, like when you get caught in structure, it's very, very hard to change. And, and to be clear, um, I don't want to fall into the trap of saying like, oh, you should just hashtag learn to code or whatever. Like, I don't think that's right for everyone. Obviously, that's, not, that's not the only like, and that's and it's not, not the only thing. That's yeah. my point. Is it's not the only thing you can do. Um, it's right for some people, and if it is right for you, it is a lucrative career. And take it from me, it's a very rewarding career if you're in the right workplace. Um, and even if you're not, it's somewhat rewarding in the short term until you can find a better one, and you can almost always find a better job. But aside from code, you like any sort of service job is not going to be automated. Mm-hmm. Anything that's human to human. Yep. Um, if you contribute to humans, like if you're a manager. Yeah. Right. Uh, if you're in uh, sales. Uh, sales. Yeah. On, if you're, if you're considering like entrepreneurial, like yeah, opportunity. That's the other thing is there are like a lot this. of, there are a lot of ways to independently make a living. Yes. Um, and the thing is the, the beauty of this thing is as resources get freed up, 
from grunt work positions, those resources are going to have to find another place to go. And ideally, and this may or may not happen as smoothly as we would like, but ideally you'd see companies would start saving money by automating stuff and they would turn those savings into either A, paying their current employees better or B, cutting their prices and providing consumers with a better service for less money, which saves you money. So resources are going to be freed up to go to other things and people are going to spend more time and more money on other things that are not, not things we'd spend money on today. So I think we'll see uh, like coaching therapy, um, any sort of personal and interpersonal career has a, a bright future ahead because as resources get freed up from current work and people ideally have more money at the end of the month to spend on themselves, they'll find mm. ways to spend it on themselves. And so you'll, you'll find coaches, you'll find educational opportunities. You'll find people will start learning things, not because they want a career, but because they just want to learn something like they just want to build a new skill mm. for the sake of building a new skill. Um, and then I think, I think there's also a whole other side of there's going to be a lot of interpersonal coaching. This might, my, my personal theory is interpersonal coaching is going to be a growth market for the next 20 years because we are in an increasingly digital society where we are being disconnected from each other and we're losing a lot of our interpersonal skills and abilities. It's also incredibly important to have some kind of mentorship. And I will say that like, yes, we also live in a world now where, where, career development and just development in general needs to be refined mm -hmm. because everyone can and do also it. by the way aside from totally changing your life another option is just embracing the automation in your current path like you can become the automation expert for your field like if you work in a, let's say you work as um uh let's just say you work as a lawyer let's mm. use that as an example you can Pivot yourself to learn about the software that's coming out and, and how it works and how to utilize it and best utilize it. And then you can become that resource and you can continue your work as a lawyer and use those tools to do your job better and more efficiently. And your firm may lay off a couple of your other lawyer might coworkers, you. Yeah. but they might retain you because you know what you're doing. And, and by the way, it might retain you at a higher salary. Right. So you might be able to find yourself in a better position. Right. That's another option. And frankly, a lot of people aren't going to do that naturally. A lot of people aren't going to change until they're forced to change. Whereas you have an opportunity now to get ahead of it. Mm -hmm. So if you can, if you have the wherewithal, you should. No, I agree with that. So I'm not quite, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. It's tough for me to believe that like um, things like automation are going to feed into like coaching and mentorship. And I don't know if I think it will, I would hope I just, I don't know if it's going to happen, but the, I would, I hope. mean the dystopian version is that the rich just use it to retain more wealth, but yes, that, you that know, that's what I'm worried about. That's I, that's I'm worried about it too but I'm choosing to use a slightly more positive outlook. Now what you're suggesting that intention out yeah, in the world. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> speak into existence. Yeah. No, what you're, what you're suggesting is awesome. Hypothetically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think it'd be incredibly healthy for humanity. Um, and that's why I'm not, I think a lot of people are kind of freaking out about the recession, right? Why um, wouldn't you? I know there's a lot of logical reasons to mm -hmm. do so. Um, I'm not personally, and it also comes from the fact that I'm not going to be affected like a lot of people will be. Yeah. So there's privilege involved too. Uh, first of all, yeah, if you're employed and you retain your job, there you go. That's yeah. nice. Yes. Also, if you don't own a business, that's also kind of nice. Yeah. So I'm actually, the, from a personal perspective, I'm in the best position I could probably in be in. In terms of being impacted. I agree. Yes. And I'm, I'm in the same boat. So there's from, from that side, like, I'm already naturally going to have a less visceral reaction because yes. I'm not likely to be hit as bad. And this is, and this is outside of the fact that you've, you've always implied that you have a more positive 
Exactly. An opportunistic yeah, and so way of on thinking. On top of that, I'm also taking an opportunistic. I mean, view look, like, the world. like there's only so much we can do in a situation like this. Why mm. not? Why not use exactly? Yeah. Like your locus of control is only so wide, mm-hmm. so you might as well exercise it with the space you've got. Yeah. Um. So to your point, to your point, having this kind of mindset and trying to become more. How do I say this? more cognizant of your future is like a muscle that many people may not even be exercising. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you become like in the short run, like successful finding a new job or being able to position yourself and get some kind of return this year, just thinking this way is healthier. hundred percent. And being at the general whim of your routine, which yep. usually incorporates an employer mm-hmm. and not much outside of that to your benefit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, and, it's and healthy to even just just th- uh, again we talked about this like this situation can be a very healthy avenue for people. Yes, it's all about outlook and perspective. Yeah, yeah. so but unfortunately, the unfortunate reality is that chances are if you're in a position where you need that outlook, you're less likely to have it because that's just kind of how the world works. You know, the haves get more, the have-nots get less. Um, it just seems to be kind of how nature is set up. Like everything's kind of exponential by default. Um, well, feedbacks. Yeah. yeah feedback feedback loops. loops and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so, no, I agree with that. So, but I mean, again, it's just, it's an opportunity if you're in that position and you're worried. Um, I know it's hard sometimes to listen to someone who's not impacted the same way you are. And I'm not trying to take away where you're at, but consider taking a slightly different attack the situation and you might find yourself in a better position afterwards mm-hmm. just a thought um so i figured we'd maybe talk a little bit about our own careers to round this out sure. um, hey there podcast listeners this is Millen singh host of spy fi after dark i'm here to just please ask you to rate and or subscribe on whatever platform you might be listening on It really makes a really big difference to us and it makes us feel really good about ourselves. So you really should just do it for that reason alone, honestly. But seriously, it boosts our organic search rankings and makes it easier for people to find the podcast. And so it would really help us out a lot if you could shoot us a rating, subscription, whatever's applicable on whatever platform you might be listening on. Anyways, that's it for me. Let's get back to the episode. maybe talk a little bit about our own careers to round this out um, sure. and, and to talk sort of more about career advancement. Cause we've been talking about it a lot lately. We have like 10 ish minutes left. Um, maybe a little bit over that. Sure. Um, so as we mentioned, I made a career move um, late last year. That was a really great career move for me. It was a big, big change. Um, and I'm really happy with my job currently, but just because I'm happy with my job doesn't mean I don't think about the future. Um, that's another thing, by the way, is if you are happy in your job, I think a lot of people tend to get a little um, uh, placated, you know, uh, they get, they find a place they're happy at and they're just sort of like stay there and enjoy it. Yeah. Complacent. And don't really think, complacent. Yeah, yeah. That's the word I was looking for. No, I know. I mean, I get um, it. So I'm, I'm happy with my, with my job. And on the one hand, I think it would be easier for me to be, to get complacent. Um, and I kind of was initially, I just focused on other things for a little while, which is fine. It was, it was honestly healthy for me. So I'm not worried about that at all. Um, but I still think about like where I want to go and like, what are sort of the endpoints? And that's just like me personally, my outlook is always, I always zoom out everything I think about. I zoom out. If I have a problem in front of me, I don't just try to solve a problem. I zoom out from the problem first before I take an approach because I find that there's always like a greater context to a problem or there's like, there's another route that's just not obvious when you're looking at the problem and it only becomes obvious when you zoom out from it. And so that's just my personal approach. Anytime I have a problem, I always zoom out first. And I highly recommend that if you can in your life and like make it a practice because it's really healthy. Um, so, but I'm still thinking about where I want to end up, but I know again, like, as I mentioned, I have entrepreneurial, um, goals and that's the end goal for me. I know that's, that's point B. 
uh, the question is what's point B1, B2, B3, mm-hmm. B4 on the way there. Um, so, you know, I've still been thinking about that and I want to move vertically from where I am, but I also want to make a slight tangent in the direction of, of leadership and business because that's where I want to go ultimately. And that will help me push in that direction. Um, and, and also, by the way, in my case, these things can feed each other because I can do something entrepreneurial, which feeds back into my career. Like I can do something entrepreneurial to prove something and then feed that back in by making a jump to a director position. Yeah. You leverage that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in a lot of people's case, a lot of people have that option available to them, mm-hmm. even though they may not realize or vice it. versa too. Yeah. Cause if you vertically climb, uh, the corporate ladder and you decide to leave and do something, um, for yourself, like something mm-hmm. independent, the network you develop, yeah. Like if you become a director at, you know, yeah. think like, about, and, think about who you, who you have. And everyone, I think a lot of people make like jumping off into entrepreneurship is like this huge risk, right? It's like, oh my God, you're throwing everything away. Like I get where that comes from and it's kind of true, but at the same time, it's also not really true because generally speaking, there's nothing stopping you from going back to what you were doing before. Like the worst Mm -hmm. case scenario is it doesn't work out and you have to go back to what you're doing before. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily that bad unless what you're doing before was really bad, in which case then you want a different scenario. But But, but on that same token to what you had mentioned before, you can usually find a better job anyway. Exactly. And that's that's the other side is if you you go off and you do your own thing and you really do it, like you really commit to it, you don't half-ass it, you will meet more people you will expand your network. Mm-hmm. You will get new skills. You will build your resume one way or another, and you can turn that experience into a better job. Yeah, that's actually one like hidden issue with a lot of uh, positions out there, um, where you're not if you're not interfacing with new people constantly, mm-hmm. it's actually I think exponentially easier to become complacent and that's more and more of a disadvantage for you because you are getting less exposure to what other opportunities lie. Yeah. It's just, that's another feedback loop. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like if you're, whether it's like a technical position or something else, like if you're not getting exposure to new things, it's going to be harder for you to really position yourself for like a, a jump later. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Versus just blindly doing it for the sake of change, which yes. can work, but doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I mean, I think it's kind of, it's unfortunate that in a lot of cases, um, in corporate, the reality is that today with corporate America, you are not incentivized to stay at a job. Yeah. You told me I about this care. and it's totally, I, I, I don't actually care agree. What companies say they, they give you no incentive to stay hundred percent. There's, there's even at my current company, which is a very good company, like just choice hotels. If you want to work at choice hotels as a software engineer, it's a good job. Full stop. Um, and it's, it's the most, um, it's the best environment I've been exposed to. That's not saying much, but even in context of what I hear of jobs around the industry, this is very good. Even still, they really don't give me many incentives to stay for a long time. And it's like, it's kind of shitty to say, but at the same time, it's just reality. Um, and like the only reason a lot of people stay at jobs is loyalty because they're somewhat emotionally invested. They stay for the, for, for emotional reasons. Ultimately you stay because you are emotionally connected with your manager, with your team. You don't want to like leave them behind, you know, you kind of want to be like in this together. There's also fear. Like, and there's, the, yes, there's fear there, too. Like the, the whole loss of like, here's the thing when it comes to like advancement in your career, the, the strange thing that I've noticed and you and I talked about this, actually, I think you brought this up to me recently, maybe is that, meritocracy or not, whether like that's integrated into like your work environment's culture at like a high level, you can't really do, I mean, I mean for the average person, you can't really do a good job and expect to be rewarded without chasing the reward and showing that you want to be rewarded. That could be in the form of, you know, Mm -hmm. a promotion, whatever kind of advancement, right? Well, first of all, you have to constantly ask for it. Okay. There's that. Okay. Most people don't like to do. And most people, most people may feel uncomfortable doing that. Myself generally included, but also recognize their tenure 
and have some kind of like sunk cost slash like emotional tie to to knowing that they've contributed to their company and that their company must be appreciated appreciate mm-hmm. excuse me appreciative because that appreciation is coming from job retention mm-hmm. friendships and really you know just general relationships at yeah. work etc that's i'm just taking a deeper dive into yeah. what you already said yeah and having to do that over again and that loss of like tenure if you will it's not coming with you on the flip side of everything i said i'm, I'm gonna go against it so like i've noticed that <laughs> i've noticed where i work classic metaphor yeah i've noticed where i work if I take, like, if I kind of like take the the positions of other engineers I work with, with respect to like their previous positions, former education, their age, I've noticed that engineers that come in to my company usually, and I'm talking about like senior level and above for engineering generally are positioned better and have heavier or excuse me higher positions than had they have come and stayed at a younger age Mm -hmm. so for instance if you want to go from engineer title a to b it's going to take you longer than someone else spending less time and then coming to the company jumping to you yeah so i'm saying is there's a there's a disproportionate value in experience outside of the company yes and and unfortunately part of this is because companies are increasingly viewing employees as kind of mercenaries in the sense that they're like well people don't stay so why should i invest in them that's another feedback and it's it's a feedback loop because people don't stay because ultimately because corporate and this thing is corporations started this to be clear corporations started because there was a time for a long time where you were heavily rewarded for tenure in corporate America. I mean, I still remember this like I was a kid, but I still remember like the zeitgeist being about this in mm-hmm. the background. Me too. So there for was my parents. For, yeah, exactly. Yeah. For my parents' generation, yeah. for sure. And for my grandparents' generation, 100%, there was a heavy reward attached to tenure. The longer you stayed, the more loyal you were, the more clout you had at the company, the easier easier it was to get promoted. The more you got paid, Mm -hmm. like they very much kept investing in you. And then what happened was, let me get a little political here. What happened was the financialization of the economy in the seventies, eighties, nineties, and then continuing afterwards, but particularly in those decades, turned companies first of all in a lot of cases it turned the management of companies the ownership of companies over from the founders or like the founding family to investors and wall street so that was the first first component um investors bought up a lot of companies and bought up a lot of assets so companies got gutted at a leadership level and you lost the like family dynamic history right And on top of that, because it was all financialized, everything became objective. It's all numbers based. And so they'd look at it and be like, we could just not give people raises and most of them would still stay. So there was a short term incentive to start throwing out the legacy of how companies just treat employees. Just rewarding. Yeah. And also just rewarding general legacy. Yeah. At a company. Exactly. So, so there's an incentive to do that. And there is a benefit to bringing in talent from elsewhere. It's a short term benefit. There is. Yes. Um, Actually, I mean, I'd argue there's a, I'd argue the best place to be as a company is a pretty healthy mix of existing legacy and fresh voices. Yes. I argue most most cases that's true. Like like a lot of things, I think probably the healthiest place to be is somewhere between where we are now and where we used to be. But companies started doing this because they got financialized and all of a sudden it was all about their stock prices and the next month's uh, or the next quarter's earnings or whatever or the next quarter's profit margins. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, all the CEOs, their pay went from salary to stock bonuses. And so they were encouraged to like, jack up stock prices and like do all kinds of manipulations to maximize their personal compensation. So all of this happened. And then as a result, employees finally, finally after decades, literally decades of getting screwed over finally now in the 2010s after the 2008 recession, access to 
what are you going to say? I was going to say, finally, they realized we're getting screwed over constantly. We should not give companies the level of respect we've been giving them. Oh, I thought you were going to say the stock incentives for employees became no, more regular. No. Oh, okay. That's, that's got it. Marginal. Yeah. Um, but primarily it's after the 2008 recession, people oh, you're saying it's just a cultural response. Culturally, it's a yeah. cultural change. Like, cause I, like I said, I still remember the zeitgeist before that. Again, I was a kid, but like I was still kind of plugged in. And like my, my teachers would talk about it occasionally or whatnot. Um, but now the environment is very different from an employee perspective because especially in like uh, white collar careers that are like full of younger people, like generally the younger you are, the more this applies to you. But this whole notion of like put in your time and like do the work and be in the trenches, that's going all out the door. Mm-hmm. And I really want to sit in software because obviously you have a high proportion of young people there and it's a fast moving, fast evolving industry. So people are jumping jobs every one and a half years on average. And it's even faster in like San Francisco, New York. And they're doing it because companies incentivize you to move, especially in an industry where there's a lack of talent Mm -hmm. because they need to get people in to fill out their roster and they're constantly losing people from their rosters. So they constantly have to bring people in. So the system will um, perpetuate itself. Um, and so you have these people who have this mercenary mindset of, I'm going to jump for the best opportunity and make the most of my career personally, because companies aren't going to treat me with respect. So why should I treat them with respect? And I'll do my work. I'll do a good job. As long as I'm there, I'll do a good job. I'll be a good team player. But if a good opportunity comes up, I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. It's a lack of trust yeah. between the employer and employee. And so now I think because we're about to enter another recession, we're going to see an acceleration of that mindset in culture. And I hope that some older generations will see some of this too, because there's a lot of benefits to be derived from having that mindset. Um, because ultimately ultimately you should modulate your behavior as an employee to the behavior of your company. If you work at a company that genuinely rewards loyalty and some still do, it exists. Mm -hmm. If they genuinely do, if they make it easy to climb the ladder, if they make it easy to get sizable raises every year for like actually improving yourself, if they make it easy to tie your performance to your compensation, then, you know, maybe give them a little bit more loyalty. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe be, you know, be a little more consistent, stay there a little longer. If they're working for you work for them. But if you're at a company like most that give a 3% cost of living raise at the end of the year, make it very difficult to find a promotion or, um, or, you know, you don't have a manager that works with you to get there then, you know, don't feel bad about jumping. Well, you're not missing much. Yeah, Most exactly. likely your move will result in something similar. With yeah. A, with, most a likely, sign, with a signing bonus and a slightly higher pay. <laughs> exactly. But most you're likely not, you're going to have the same thing that's like or worse better case. Exactly. with a signing bonus and a better salary. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. So, so, so yeah, I uh, I 100% encourage people to take a more active approach in dynamic, their careers. And particularly now that we're entering a recession, this is a good time to assess your options, to build some skills, to make a, a a lateral move or a lateral vertical move. I'm trying to do a lateral vertical currently um, right now. I think ultimately that's going to be on the table for me not too long from now. Yep. Um, you know, within the next couple of years. Um, so yeah, I'd sort of just to wrap, to wrap this episode up. I just, you know, we've already said it a thousand times, but we're entering this crazy period. It's going to be nuts. It's going to hurt a lot of people. Chances are it's going to hurt you a little bit or a lot. Um, and I don't want to minimize that, but at the same time, if you can, in a positive light, if you try to capitalize, if you can step back and take take a optimistic outlook for a minute and assess yourself and try to put yourself in a good position, you can find yourself in a better place when this recession is Mm -hmm. over than you are in currently. Right. And it's a real opportunity that is available to pretty much everyone. So, highly recommend it. Any, any final thoughts? That's it. I agree. It's like a reboot, yeah. potentially, for a lot of people. Recessions have it's, opportunity. Exactly. It's very, very difficult to just stop yourself in your routine. Mm-hmm. 
it's not surprising that in the last recession, one of the biggest changes was a lot of people went back to school. Like uh, school college enrollment rates shot up after the after two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious with the demographic. I wonder if the spread was like wider. Or something. Oh yeah, no, it was much wider. Okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, there were a lot more like forty some year olds going to college. Yeah, that makes sense. I, my mom was one of them. That's right. Yeah, yeah my mom right. went back. She ended up getting a doctorate degree and right. was a nurse practitioner. Um, so yeah. So if you're out there and you're a little uncertain about the future, feel that appreciate that respect it then take a step back do what's right for you we love you we support you yeah you'll do great things yeah and if you have any questions about this episode or any of the content you can email spyfyofficial at gmail.com and i will get back to you i personally will get back to you i'm not some celebrity with tens of millions of instagram followers so you heard it from the man (laughs) all right uh we'll see you next time see ya